Thank you, Ian. Ian's one of our awesome leaders. Hey, check out this new Grace Athens t-shirt. Not bad, right? It's slim fit. I'm more of a loose fit guy, but I, I told him I'd still wear it today because we're promoting this new t-shirt. And if, I, if I'm right, if you come, if you're a college student and you come to the meeting right after, I believe you're going to get a free t-shirt. So not bribery, but a little bit. Come to this meeting. We want to get to know you. We want to get you connected. We want to set your college years in Christ Church, okay? Hey, as Ian said, we got some big changes coming up we're really excited about. One is we're bringing back the college night service. That starts tonight at 7. You already heard about that. The other thing, though, is that we're moving our morning service to North Oconee High School because our kids' ministry is growing. We're starting a middle school ministry and a high school ministry, and we need more than just one building. We need a campus. And so we're going to be moving. I think we have a photo, actually, of where we're moving. Wow. I mean, it's nice, way nicer than what uh, I'm used to. Uh, so we're moving there. The Sunday after Labor Day, September 12th, okay? So you're in the right place right now. We'll be in this chapel at 10 a.m. all the way through September 6th. We're going to remind you. And then on the 12th, we're all going to move over there. And we'll also be having our college night services starting this Sunday. If you're a college student, you are welcome to still come in the morning, okay? And if you choose you want to be a part of the night service, that's awesome too. But all of our adults and any college students that want to join us will be in the morning September 12th at this awesome facility, hopefully reaching a lot of new people, young kids, middle schoolers, and so on. Okay? Awesome. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to share with you one of the greatest loves of my life. And it's not my wife, although she is one of, if not the top greatest loves of my life. I want to share with you one of the greatest loves, and that's not an exaggeration, it's not be, me being dramatic, this truly is one of the greatest loves of my life. Besides God and my family, the greatest love of my life has been the local church. The local church. I love, and friends that know me well, and it's not because I'm a pastor, I love the local church. There is nothing else like this in society, what we do here. And I have a love and a passion and a history for the local church. And here's part of why. The local church has given me more than almost anything else in my life. It has given me so much. The local church is where I first met God. The local church gave me this. It's where I first met forgiveness. That I was forgiven of my sins and my mistakes. I found that in the local church in a place like this. It's where I heard the gospel for the first time. I, had, I didn't even know the gospel existed. But it was in the local church that I, I heard the gospel and by his grace believed in it. It's where I saw what true unconditional love looks like between a group of people. I remember being so surprised by it. It's where I discovered Jesus. It's where I found true friends, a friendship that ran deep, that was not just based on circumstance or popularity or status. It was based on something that never changed. It was based on us having the same Father, God. It was in the local church where I had my first mentors. Tyler Thigpen asked to mentor and to disciple me, and, and I didn't know what discipleship meant. I said, is, is it a class? Do I get a certificate? How does it work? I had no idea. It was there in the local church that I was given that. It's actually where I first met my wife was in the local church. 
Not only that, it's where I found my vocation. And most of all, in the local church is where I changed. I changed at 18 years old being in this environment. The local church has given me so, so much in my life. I want to be real this morning. That is not everyone's story, is it, with the local church? For some of us, tragically, the local church maybe has taken more from us than it's given to us. I'm sure there's some stories like that around this room. And that is a tragedy that grieves the heart of God. The local church is supposed to be a place that gives you so much and calls you to give so much. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. This is uh, St. Cyprian. Found a statue of him. Look for Google images. They were all too small, so statue. St. Cyprian, <coughs> he was a church father in the third century. And he has this profound quote about the local church. He says it this way. It will come on the screen. No one can have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. You see that? No one can have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. Throughout church history, the different men and women of the church have talked about the motherhood of the church. Let me introduce you to another friend. This is John Calvin. He's a reformer, Protestant Reformation. And what you see in Calvin's writings, that the motherhood of the church is throughout them. And he says in so many words, you can't live without your mama. That's what I pick up from it. You can't live without your mama. You can't live without Christ's local church. Last introduction. This is my mama, Maria Guevara Raymond. She's an awesome woman. She raised three boys. I was in the middle. She did a fantastic job. Okay, and here's what I know to be true. Sometimes when you get older, you think that you don't need your mother as much anymore. Sometimes as we get older, we think we don't need the local church as much anymore. But it's just not true. It's just not true. And even if your relationship with your mom has been great or difficult, or with the church, great or difficult, you always need your mama. You always do. Not only do we need the church to be our mother, our town needs their mother. You see, so many of the folks that we come across are suffering from loneliness. The psychologists will tell you loneliness is just riddled throughout society today. Why? Because they're not only orphaned from God their father, they're also orphaned from the church their mother and from brothers and sisters in the family of believers. They're totally alone and sometimes without even knowing it. I didn't realize I was alone until I was 18 and I stepped into relationship with my father, into relationship with church, my mother, and into relationship with brothers and sisters, fellow believers. I said, oh my gosh, where has this been all my life? The human heart aches for this family. In fact, psychologists will tell you this. You can't live without your mother or your father in infancy. If a child does not get enough smiles and hugs and affection from their mom or dad, it totally stunts their development. I actually heard in a podcast yesterday that it's through that affection in those infancy years that the joy center in the psyche of a person is opened through mom and dad. 
The human person cannot live without their father and without their mother. Today, I want to go to the Bible, and I want to show you what the local church should be, what our relation to it can be, and what we all really want it to be. Why else would you be here on a Sunday morning? And to do that, we're going to look at the book of Acts. What you find here is a description of the early church, of what the church was like for them. And I just want us to pick up on it. See what you find here in this church. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. By the way, I'm in chapter 2. If I didn't say that, chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46, day by day they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's quite a description. That's a happening church. That's not like your grandma's church with like a bake sale and a couple Bible studies. I mean, that's a happening place that all was upon every soul. That's an awesome place. Here's what you need to know, though. This description of this church, the early church, they weren't perfect. That's why Paul wrote all those letters in the New Testament. Because they weren't perfect. They had things that were going on that weren't so great. And yet this was a description of them. They weren't perfect, but they were alive. That's what I see in these verses. They were very alive. They had a living relationship with their mother, with Mother Church. Here's what I want to do today, if we could bring that to the screen. I want to ask a question. I want to give an answer, and then I want to show it to you with scriptures and stories. Ask a question, give an answer, show it to you with scriptures and stories. We're going to knock off the first two right now, all right? We're going to take care of our homework. Here we go. Number one, I want to ask a question. Here's the question. What should the local church be? According to Scripture, according to this passage right here, what should the local church be? That's the question. Let me give you the answer. The answer is this. It should be a family on mission. The local church should be a family on mission. This is what we find right here in this passage in Acts 2. It's not just a family. It's not just about hanging out and being brothers and sisters and kind of doing our little Christian thing. That's cool. It's not just a family, and it's not just a mission. It's not about, hey, we don't need to worry about community. Let's just go take care of the mission of witness and serving our city. It's not one or the other. It is a family, a group of brothers and sisters that are on a mission, and that is the mission of God. What the church should be. I don't know your background. I don't know what it was like to grow up in the church or not grow up in the church. But what I see from Scripture and from church history, the essence, the purity of what this should be is a family on mission. Think of it this way. It's true brothers and sisters that have the same heavenly father and the same church mother. It is family. But also Out of that family, it's people that are passionate and running after the same thing, a mission. 
So here's what I see. With family and mission, it's this. It's intimacy and adventure. That's what you were made for. You were made for a life of intimacy with brothers and sisters in the family of God, and you were made for a mission bigger than yourself. You were made for an adventure. Family on mission is a life of intimacy and adventure in the local church. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I just want to testify is I've had this. I've had this intimacy and adventure. I've had this. I have it now. I could tell you the families that I'm a family on mission with inside this church. You see, the whole church, Grace Athens, should be one big family on mission. And then my goal is that you'd find within this big fellowship a few people to run with that you call your own little family on mission. I've had this with the Gibbs and the Waterworks. I can just go down the line. I've had this, and here's, here's what I'm going to tell you, friends. I will always fight for this in my future. I will always fight for it. I've had a season where I didn't have it, where church was just a thing I went to or just a job. And it became stale and dry and wasn't what it intended to be. My relationship with my mother, the church, started to wane. What it's supposed to look like and feel like and be like is intimacy with people on an adventure of mission. And I will always fight for that, no matter what it takes. No matter how busy it gets, y'all, it's getting busy. My daughter's now in school five days a week. I'm now her soccer head coach. I had practice yesterday. She just said me, man, I was going for it. We were having such a good time. We were sweating. I found that balance of, you know, trying to win games but also getting down. Like, hey, you're doing awesome, little girl. You know, we had a lot of fun. Life's going to get busy. It's going to get only busier for me. It's only going to get busier for you. But there's one thing I will fight for. And that is that in the church, I always have a family on mission. Intimacy and adventure. Life is empty without it. It's empty without it. You're to have a father and a mother. And here's what I want to tell you. If you're new here this morning, this is what I'm inviting you into this fall. I want to fight for this for you. I only want this church to be this, a family on mission. If you're not new here. This is what I'm inviting you into this fall, that you would renew your passion to fight for this in your life. That's what I'm preaching to myself this morning. This is what we all need in this room. We need our mother and our town needs it. Think of how different your year will be if you catch a vision for the local church like this. You see, you were always meant to have a spiritual first name and a last name. John 10, Jesus says, I give you a name. I call you by name. In Revelation, he says, I give you a special name in his letters to the church. So you have a spiritual first name, but you're also supposed to have a spiritual last name. Your first name is unique to you. Your last name is about what family you belong to. I'm a Raymond. I have two other brothers. I'm in the middle. I have a mom and a dad. Now I'm starting a new family with my wife and our three kids. I have a first name and a last name. It's supposed to be the same thing in the church. Jesus calls you by a special first name, but that's not enough. There's no such thing as a solo Christian. No such thing as a lone wolf Christian. In fact, the New Testament just assumes, just implies that you're already in a local church. There's no such thing as someone doing it on their own. You are supposed to have a first name and a last name. And my goal is for you to find it here in this church. Here's what I want to do. Next week, I'm going to talk about the vision of the church. But before I talk about the vision of the church, I want to invite you into the family of the church. That's my goal here. 
And I want to take a closer look right here in the scriptures. I want to take a look at the Bible. I want it to teach us how we can have this, okay? So look back at Acts 2.42. What you find right there is I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. There's one key to it all. We're looking for one key. It's a real simple Bible study this morning. There's one key to all of this. One thing that's necessary. Pick up in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Right there you find that one thing that's necessary, and it's the word devotion. It says they devoted themselves to these things. Now, friends, let me tell you, there's a difference in devotion and commitment, right? Commitment can be cold-hearted. Oh, well, I know I'm supposed to. I know I'm supposed to show up to my grace group, or I know I'm supposed to show up to this thing. Commitment can be obligation. That's not what it is. It's saying devotion. It's not I, and they were committed. They committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. It says devotion. It doesn't also say, and they were excited about the apostles' teaching and fellowship. You see, excitement can wane. Commitment can wane. Devotion is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the will. It says they were devoted. My wife's name is Danielle. Beautiful woman. I'm way out of my league. My friends like to make me aware of that. She's awesome. She's an amazing mother. And uh, here's what I know. Her birthday's coming up, actually, on the 27th. That's next week. Yes. It's on my calendar, but, yeah, I just had a moment there. <laughs> had a moment. Don't worry, I've already ordered the gifts. Um, here's what my wife wants. My wife doesn't want my commitment. She wants my devotion. She doesn't want me to take her on a birthday date and buy her these gifts because I'm just committed to her. Because I'm obligated to care about her. What my wife wants is my devotion, my heart. That's what she wants. That's what devotion is all about. Think of it this way. What does it take to have a great marriage? Devotion. What does it take to have a great family? Devotion. What does it take to accomplish a mission? Think of soldiers. Devotion. What does it take to have a successful business? Devotion. Devotion is the currency of life. All the great things in life take this one thing. Devotion. And it's the same with Christ's local church. Devotion is what's needed to be a family on mission. And that's it. It's not complicated. That's all it takes. But it's not just raw devotion. It's devotion to something. You see right there in 42. They're devoted to an object. And so we ask, what, what do they devote themselves to? Look right there in verse 42. Let's take a look. What did they devote to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's number one. And to the fellowship, that's number two. And to the breaking of bread and the prayers, that's number three. So you'll see on the screen, they devoted themselves to three really important things. To the word, to each other, and to God. You see that? They devoted themselves to the word, to each other, and to God. Here's what I can tell you. You get those three things right, you're going to have a family on mission. You're going to have something happening. You're going to have what you were made for. And because of this devotion, this place was alive. You read about these 12 other things that were happening in their midst. It's because they devoted themselves. 
to the Word, to each other, and to God. You're going to find four primary ways they were alive. I want to show you these. You see them on the screen. They were a learning church. They were a loving church. They were a worshiping church. And they were a missionary church because they were devoted to those three things in verse 42. Take a look. What does it say? The first one, a learning church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That eventually became the New Testament. Here's what I can tell you from, from lived experience. You, you, you want to you be a church that's alive? Just put this book at the center of everything, and you will become an alive church. Because here's what happens. When you're in a fellowship of people, maybe it's 10 or 12 of you that are in a group here, here's what happens. The adventure happens when you say, we don't just want to read this book, but we want to live this book. I've read the Sermon on the Mount with a group of friends. I've read the book of Acts with a group of friends. And when we live what Jesus' brother said, James, don't just be hearers of the word, doers of the word. That's when the adventure really begins. What does it look like to live Matthew 5, verses 1 through 10? What does it look like to live what James has to say about this or what Paul has to say about this? When you come together as a fellowship of people, a group, a family on a mission, you say, hey, we just want to live this thing. I'm telling you, it's going to become alive. They were a learning church. Secondly, they were a loving church. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Go on to verse 44. All who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. They were so generous. You see, the friendships I've had that have endured, I'm, I'm, I'm 35, I'm not that old. But the friendships I've have been through, you know, middle school, high school, college, first career, all that stuff. The friendships I've had that have endured were the ones that were centered on God. It's not because they were just better friendships or whatever. It's, it's simple. It's because God doesn't change. I can run into them and we still have that bond that we have the same father and we have the same mission. You see, things change in your life. Where you live changes. You might have a friendship based on location. It's going to change. You might have a friendship based on being roommates. That's going to change. You might have a friendship based on having the same hobbies or the same job or mutual friends. All those things will change. But the friendships that are made in the presence of God, that will never change. That will never change. It goes on. They were a worshiping church. You see that? In verse 42, they took communion, they prayed together. It goes on, verse 46, day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And lastly, what I want to show you is they were a missionary church. You see right there. In verse 43, all came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. God's doing things through them. He's reaching people. And then verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were a missionary church. They had a mission. All these verses, what they described to me is one thing. They were a family on mission. Now, can we get real? People try and make church into a lot of different things. Can I bring those up? Are you good with that? People trying to make church into an event. 
Just something you go to on Sunday. It's an event. And the whole thing is judged off how well was the event. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, we don't do great events. We just don't. We open the Bible. We try and live the thing. That's about it. Okay? You're not going to get many bells and whistles here. Some people try and make church into a problem solver. They think if I become a part of a church and get involved, it's going to solve all my problems. I'll tell you one thing about pastoring. I'll be transparent with you. It's like, it's like this occupation and letting people down. Because they come in with the wrong expectation that we're going to solve all their problems. That's not what the church is. Some people treat it as their God time. They don't have any God time during the week, and they say, oh, that's Sunday, that's, that, that's my God time. Some of us, we use the church as a spouse finder, right? Now, to find your spouse in the church is not a bad thing. The Lord blessed me in that way. But to use the church as a dating app is not a great idea. That's not what it's intended for. Great place to find a spouse, though. You're both running after God, but that's not its top purpose. That's not what I see in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Some people, parents, you know this temptation. We try and use the church as, 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 as the one that's going to parent our kids. That We just drop our kids off at youth group and we'll let the church handle discipling them and disciplining them and whatever it takes. And, of course, for many of us, sometimes we get in the habit of using church as a checklist. I just checked it off. I'm good with God. But it will always come up short because it wasn't designed to be that. And what will happen is you'll get unhappy and you go shop for another one. You just keep shopping your whole life. And I know people, I'm not going to give names, but I know people that have just shopped around. And they've never found the true purpose of Mother Church, a family on a mission. So let me give my conclusion. Church is only meant to be one thing, a family on mission that is fueled by devotion. That's how it works. This is what I'm calling each of us into. This morning you are invited, and this is what we are made to belong to, and it's fueled by devotion. I promised that I would share with you not just scriptures but stories And so I'm going to in a moment invite up one of my closest friends here in Athens. We've been in a family on mission together for many years now. Uh, His wife couldn't join him. She's out of town, but he still said he'd be willing to share. And so can you give a big Grace Athens welcome to my friend, Aaron Gibbs. All right. Got a chair for you right there, man. Thank you, sir. So, can we bring those pictures of Aaron's family on the screen? This is his wife, Allison, three little ones. Hey, man, you look good in that That photo. That was a great reaction. Are you wearing the same shirt? Don't don't call that out. It's a good-looking shirt. It's a good-looking shirt. I was feeling good up there. I figured I'd replicate it. There you go. All right, man. So, obviously, I know a lot of what's been going on in your family this last year. Um, And thanks so much for being willing to share it. Let's start here. Tell us what's been going on with your family and basically what the church has meant to you in this last year. Definitely. So about a year ago today, my wife and I went to, literally almost a year ago this exact day, uh, went to a doctor's appointment for my oldest son, Jake. Jake is, uh, he's five years old. That's him on his first day of school this year. Um, But Jake had, he had some developmental delay. He was born three days after Shay, John's daughter, first two kids in the church. Um, but Jake had some developmental delay, did OT, PT, speech from kind of two years on, and uh, last summer, his physical therapist said, I think y'all need to see a neurologist, 
And we said, okay. So we took him to a neurologist. The neurologist said, hey, I think we need to do an MRI of his brain. We said, okay, that sounds serious. And we're like, maybe this will give us an answer for why he has some of these delays. And I left school early. It was a Thursday afternoon. Alice and I went into that doctor's appointment um, thinking he's going to tell us something that will be helpful to know why Jake's had these delays. And um, I'll never forget it, y'all. He walked us into his personal office cut the lights off so we could see his computer screen. He pulled up the images of Jake's brain, and he said, do you see all of this cloudy, white, fuzzy-looking thing on his brain? We said, yes. They said, um, he said, that is abnormal white matter. He said, this is, it, it's kind of like brain damage on your son. And we said, what does that mean? He said, this means your son has a progressive genetic disorder um, that there's no treatment, there's no cure. He's slowly going to lose different functions until it takes his life. And Alice and I were kind of like, wait a second. He's doing so well. He's, he's progressing. He's getting, he's getting better. And we said, does this... And I kind of repeated back to him what he said, and I said, Does this, is this as bad as it sounds? And I was hoping he would say, no, there's a, and he says, I'm so sorry to give you this news. And Alice and I just kind of looked at each other, and we're shaking our heads, and then next thing that we know, we're walking out to the parking lot, and uh, we get in my truck, and we just, we lose it. We totally, totally lose it. We just cry for the next, I don't know how long, we're holding each other. Um, neither of us are really talking at all. We're just crying. And then, did you hear this? I heard this. That's what I heard. Um, and so we, we go back home. Um, the rest of that night, we're just kind of wrecked, as you can imagine. I took off the next day of work. We drive the whole family up to the mountains. We go hiking and swimming, just spending time with Jake. And, um, the few months right before that, we'd started noticing he hadn't been really paying as much attention to us as normal. And um, in that doctor's appointment, you know, he, the doctor had seen him the week or two before. And in that doctor's appointment, he said, the reason that Jake is not really responding to you guys is this disorder has caused him to lose his hearing. And so over a matter of a couple of months, Jake's ability to hear had gone. And he said... Next, it'll probably be his vision, and then next, it'll probably be his ability to swallow or breathe, and one of those is going to take his life. And so that Thursday, that Friday, we're just watching him swim, and Jake had previously talked a lot, and at this point, he had pretty much kind of stopped talking. He would just mouth words. Um, Jake, if you know Jake, if you've ever been around him, you have heard him. He is loud, right? He is all over the place, um, but he was kind of in his own world. He wouldn't really interact with others as much, and we're just sitting here thinking like, man, our firstborn child, like his best days are behind him. Like our most fun and fully alive Jake is, is gone at four years old. And so just up there in the mountains, we're, we're swimming, we're just looking at him, and then we turn to our side and we just cry, and then we come back home. Saturday, the next day, we know Jake's favorite thing in the world to do is swim, and so we go back up to my uncle's house at the lake, and we swim all day. And then Saturday night, we were like, we can't carry this anymore by ourselves. Like, we wanted some time just to let it soak in and, 
And for us to, as a family, have a moment, and then I was like, Allison, I can't, I can't carry this by myself. I'm ready to, like, let some others carry this with us. And so literally before we told any of our family, um, we called John and Danielle and RG and Katie, and we met at John's house that Saturday night. And uh, we just kind of shared exactly what we were told. Um, collectively, we all just started crying, and then collectively, we all started praying and I'll never forget, literally, I'll never forget RG's prayers that night. Um, I'll never forget John's prayers that night. And uh, something happened there for us as a family. Uh, Allison, up until that point, she was, I, I had a sense all along, God, you're with us, even in this. God, I sense your presence with us, even in this. Um, Allison said, I don't sense God's love. I don't sense his comfort. I don't sense his peace. And it was that night when God's people kind of came around us and were reminding us of the truths of God, the promises of God. They were praying with us that Allison started to get that sense again of God is still good. God is still with us. And that was a huge, huge gift to me and our family. Um, but I'll never forget that night. I remember them praying for peace. I remember thinking, God, I don't want peace. I just want my son, right? I just want him with me. I want to see him growing up. Um, couple days go by, we call kind of a bigger circle of folks from the church. They meet at our house, same thing. We share, we pray collectively, we cry collectively. Um, and it was like just the, the church really, y'all, really became for Allison and me, uh, really became the presence and the love of God to us. The church became God's love to us. Um, groceries started coming. Uh, text started coming, meals started coming. Um, I'll never forget Katie, RG's wife. Um, a few days after we shared with them, she sent this scripture, and the first scripture was, with God, all things are possible. I remember thinking, God, all things are possible, because I was like, our, our doctors didn't give us any hope, but you're saying all things are possible. And I remember just taking that scripture and almost like holding it in my pocket, right, carrying it around with me. John must have shared with the greater church because uh, the next week we were at church, Professor Okesh um, comes up to me and he says, Aaron, my, my wife, my kids, I, we've been fasting for Jake. I've been fasting for you guys and your family. And just what that meant to me was like, man, they're not eating and bringing Jake before the throne. And, um, and then he said something else I'll never forget. He said, there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. Your doctors are telling you one thing. There is a God in heaven. And again, I just kind of grabbed that truth. And that truth and so many others just really sustained me over the next few months, over really this past year, um, that with God, all things are possible. There is a God in heaven. God does see us, right? Every time another stack of groceries would show up in our garage that we didn't know who it comes from, Allison would just break down in the kitchen crying. And she didn't say like, man, everyone still remembers. To her, it was God sees us. God sees us. And so I don't know what we would have done um, this past year without the church. I really don't. Um, the church reminded us of who God was, of what he says about Jake, about us, and um, really became that tangible presence of God among us. Yeah.
Thanks for my sharing. wife always makes fun of me for having tissues in my pockets. So. No, that's a good idea, especially when you're sharing like this. Thanks for sharing with us. Let me ask one other thing that we talked about earlier. Um, you've talked about this past year, but tell us where things are now with your family, with Jake, how the church has been just walking with you in that. Yeah, so so our, our neurologist here in Athens, he sent us to pretty much the best pediatric neurologist specialist in the southeast, which was in Echo in Atlanta. So we went and saw her, and uh, she deals with this. This is like what she does, abnormal um, white matter in the brain. And uh, she looked at Jake's MRI. She said the exact same thing our neurologist here said. We asked her the exact same questions, how how long do you think we have? She said um, it's going to take his life within a few years. So we're thinking, okay, two, three years, that's what we have with Jake. Um, she kind of said you'll start to notice different things, watch him when he's eating. Um, if he starts choking, let us know. Um, so we saw her. She said uh, his hearing is, the reason he can't hear anymore is because his brain is just not, processing the sounds that he hears. Um, his ears were fine. Everything in his ears were fine, according to our hospitals here. She said, we'll do one more hearing test at CHOA. Um, she said, hearing aids are probably not going to help, but we can try. So we started doing some hearing tests. At the same time, we started doing some blood work. She said, this, these blood work tests will let us know exactly what form of this genetic disorder he has. Um, and so while our church family and our Actual family and Alice and I are just praying constantly. <laughs> Remember, RG and Katie is telling us, Aaron, we just wake up in the middle of the night. We just pray for Jake. Just wake up all the time. We pray for him in the morning. Pray for him all day. Wake up in the middle of the night praying for him. And so we're just crying out to God, and then we're starting to try to figure out what's actually going on. Um, his blood work comes back and totally negative totally negative. She's like, we don't, all these really, really progressive, dire forms of his disorder, um, he doesn't have one of these. She said, so we're going to do this other blood work that's going to test for the more rare forms of the disorder. And so we did that, and it comes back totally negative, totally normal. That was 85% of the forms of this genetic disorder um, Jake doesn't have. Um, we get hearing aids, and uh, they work. He can hear now. He's uh, back in school and learning. Um, six months after the original MRI, we get a follow-up MRI to see how much his brain has regressed. Uh, his brain is unchanged from six months before. Um, we meet with her literally a year after we first saw her. Uh, this was in July, and she's... Um, really just in awe of the fact that Jake has not lost any other function, that his blood work has totally come back normal. And she kind of, y'all, just starts shaking her head. And she's like, I mean, it's possible he has a super, super slowly progressing form of the disorder that over decades it's going to progress, which almost never happens. Um, or she says there's this teeny chance he has something else called CMV, which is not a progressive disorder. It's that... Allison had a virus when Jake was in her womb, and um, that can cause hearing loss. 
and she's she kind of just like, I, I don't know what's, what's going on with him, and I'm just like chuckling inside, and I'm just like, the only thing that's changed from a year ago is that literally thousands and thousands of prayers have been offered up on his behalf, and so I just started telling her like, man, our hope in Jesus is that um, God is hearing our prayers, that God is responding, that um, Jake's disorder is not progressive, that he's going to live all the days that God has planned for him. And whether God takes him as a five-year-old or as a 50-year-old or as a 90-year-old, man, we've got this hope that we're going to see him again and he's God's child. And so really this whole thing has become this, like the, the, the Waterworths, the Raymonds, the Batemans, last year when we started Mission Community Groups, they said, hey, we want to we wanna kind of gather around you guys and let you all be our mission for this year and support you guys. And, and so each week we literally met for the apostles' teaching and the fellowship we ate and, and the prayers, and, and they made us their mission. But at the same time, Alice and I started saying, man, we want to use this as an opportunity to share with others the hope that we have in Jesus because we knew going through this, People are going to be watching and seeing how are we responding. And if we can say, man, we got hope. Even if God takes our son at five years old, we just, we still believe that God is good. We still believe that he is with us. We still believe that we're going to see him again. And so we tried to pray with all of them. Man, God, help us to be faithful, to point others to you in the midst of this. And so I just want to say thank you to, I know so many of you have prayed for him uh, this church has literally been a source of life for us, uh, and as of right now, Jake is so, so healthy. His best days are not behind him, right? They're ahead of him. Um, he's growing. Uh, we still don't know exactly what it is. Is it CMV? Is it this progressive disorder? Um, but God has been with us every step of the way. This church has been with us every step of the way. And so uh, I want to thank John and the Waterworths and the Batemans and the Perkins and the Okeshas and so many of you guys that have just loved us incredibly well. Um, there is a God in heaven, and with God all things are possible. Amen. Amen, man. Thanks for sharing. And we're going to continue. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, one time when we were together as a group and you were reflecting on Jake and what the church has meant to you and, and you just, and you were starting to get good results back and you just said something on the lines of, um, man, this literally, we could not do this without the community of the church and the prayers of the church. And it was in that moment, it was just like, wow, this is so much bigger than just showing up on Sunday. This is so much bigger than what we make the church. This really is supposed to be a family on mission. And we're with you in all that's going on. You know that me and Danielle are totally devoted to you. And so thanks for sharing. Can we thank Aaron again? Awesome. I want to invite the band up. Y'all go ahead and come on down. I'll invite our prayer team up as they're coming. I just want to tell you one last thing. This morning, you've heard two main things. That this is what you were made to belong to. And secondly, that it takes one thing, devotion. Devotion. You got to witness some of the devotion that we have together with the Gibbs family. The only thing is there's just one problem with that, and you got to get this. 
You could walk out of here and think devotion is just on you, that you have to muster it up. But that's not true. If you look back in Acts 2.38, you'll see that something is given to you when you choose to follow Jesus, and that is the Holy Spirit. And if you hear anything this morning, hear this one sentence. Everything we do in the Christian life is by the Holy Spirit. So here's your homework assignment. Don't try and be more devoted. Go home and begin to seek a relationship with the Holy Spirit and say, give me the devotion I need this morning to be a family on mission. Professor Okesh, you have something to share this morning? Go ahead. Yeah. Can you lead us in that? Awesome. We're going to pray for Jake. I go by David. So um, the reason why we are going to pray for Jake as a body is because uh, that is what the Bible says, that uh, we can trust God where two or three are gathered in his name. There God is in their midst. And we can stand today because the Bible says that if you believe, nothing is impossible. We can stand today and trust God not only uh, for the regression of all those negative things, but also for the redemption of what has been lost. And uh, with God, a thousand years is like one day, and one day is like a thousand years. We want to pray that Jake will catch up with kids' age in terms of his development and growth, and will overtake them as well. So we want to trust God as a body, because with God, all things are possible. So I was sitting there, I spoke to Amanda, my daughter, I said, this is what God is telling me, what do you think? God is telling me, and she was like, I don't know if you are to do it. So I'm sorry I've interfered with your program. Uh, let me speak for 30 seconds. Let me give you a testimony too. So I have twin girls, Elise and Amanda. So our daughter also had stroke at 13. And she was a chore for two months. And the daughter said, you know, she'll be in a wheelchair forever. You know, and all those things the doctors like to say. Which is okay because we trust them for that. But we said, no, she'll not be in a wheelchair. And we prayed. And she's not in a wheelchair. And she runs and walks. She lost some part of her functioning. But we're trusting God to bring that back. So thank God for doctors, but God is the chief physician. And he didn't even have to go to Harvard or Emory. He is the chief physician. So we can go to him. Father, we come before you right now. We trust you. We know you. We love you, God. You are more trustworthy than anything, than any person, God. So, Father, we can come before you believing and knowing that you can do it. We can go to doctors knowing that doctors may do it or may not do it. But we can come before you, God, and know that you are able to do it exceedingly, abundantly, above even whatever we could request from you, God. So, Father, as a body, we come together before you trusting you for Jake's restoration. We are trusting you for Jake's redemption. We are trusting you for Jake's healing. God, in the name of Jesus, the God of heaven, the God who made heaven and earth, the God who said to the seas this far and no more, the God who laid the foundations of the earth and who spread the heavens, 
We trust you, God. We believe you, Jesus. Do it, God. Do it, Jesus. Do it, God. We pray that you will do it so that the whole world will know that our God is real. That our God is the same yesterday, today, and in the days to come. That you still move. That you still heal. That you still save. And that you still redeem. In Jesus' name, we pray and trust and believe that the next time that we hear about Jake, we'll hear better things and bigger things. Amen. Thank you, Dr. David Okesh. So good. So good. Let's stand together where you are. This is what it means to be a family on mission and to be devoted to each other and to God and to the Word. When you came in, you received communion. Go ahead and pull that out. We're just going to respond to what we've heard today with one last song of worship. There's some prayer volunteers down here that would love to pray with you. Clearly, we believe in the power of prayer. And so as you take out communion, we just pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come upon these gifts. It's because of your gospel that we can receive them. Your gospel is at the center of everything we do. Your forgiveness and your blood and the giving over of your body. We ask that you come upon these gifts, make them true spiritual food and true spiritual drink as we proclaim your death and your power and your healing right now together as a family. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take of the body and blood, and our team's going to lead us in one last song to sing to the Lord. Come down, receive prayer. Let's go to him now.